There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in town at the ranch, Michael We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, 27-year veteran of the NYPD. And with me tonight, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. Not as good as you down there in Florida, but I'm doing okay. <laughs> the show now is coming live to you, in case you haven't noticed the different backdrop, live from Jupiter, Florida. And uh, this is my new... Uh, kind of gentler backdrop anyway folks this case is just a heartbreaking case from these yeah. these child missing cases they're just horrific there's nothing ever you know when time goes by and um the, the child is missing good things usually are not going to happen you know and this has been um michael vaughn has been missing since july 27th 2021 now, the hope of him being recovered uh, alive is, is very, very slim. And now the police have some information that even make it uh, more unlikely that he will be recovered alive. Fruitland Police and Idaho State Police currently are searching a home in Fruitland near where Michael Vaughn disappeared in the summer of 2021. Um, Police have been outside a home in Fruitland on Saturday with a tractor, a dumpster, and other individuals based on a lead they got in relation to the disappearance of Michael Vaughn, a five-year-old missing since July of 2021. Crime scene tape has blocked off most of the road in a neighborhood across the field near Vaughn's home in Fruitland. The fence from the home was taken apart to allow a tractor to enter the backyard and a home off Red Wing Street in order to excavate the property. At the scene, Fruitland Police Chief J.D. Huff took television station KTVB that the couple living in the home does not own it, and at this time, police are unaware of any connection between them and the Vaughns. During the course of the investigation, we received information the remains of Michael Vaughn might be found behind the house. As a result, we obtained a search warrant, We've not found anything yet, but we will continue to excavate in hopes of finding his remains, Chief Huff told KTVB at the scene. Idaho Mountain Search and Rescue is also on the scene with Idaho State Police and Fruitland PD. Huff said they arrived on the scene late Friday. Canine dogs were on the scene as well. Crews headed home around 6 p.m. They will be back searching in the morning, Huff said. This is the third day of the search. Huff said in a previous press conference, the department has gathered a tremendous amount of data, serving 27 search warrants and triple that number in consensual searches. It takes an intense effort and a lot of work to document all of the leads as they're coming in. And at the conclusion of this investigation, I'm hopeful we'll find the answers. It's important that our case is organized and very strong, Huff said during the July 22 press conference. Huff said they now believe that Michael disappeared in a smaller window of time than originally thought. Around 6.40 p.m. to 7 p.m. on July 27th, 
2021. That was when Tyler Vaughn, Michael's father, said he was in a back bedroom tending to his daughter and ordering pizza on the phone, came out to the living room, could not find his son. It's unclear why police believe he disappeared in a smaller time frame. Um, this is just, you know, Phil, every parent's worst, worst nightmare is this case. And, you know, you would think in your own neighborhood, say you had a young kid that was five years old. If he walked off and went to a neighbor's house, you would expect, oh, I know my neighbors. They'll bring him back home. You know, how do you know you have a monster living in your neighborhood? How do you know that? You know, and I mean, it's happened time and time again where people find out they have monsters living in their neighborhood, you know? Absolutely, Billy. Um, you know, uh, when we grew up as kids, children uh, in a different time, in a different era, uh, to go out of the house as a five-year-old and maybe go to a neighbor's house really wasn't that unusual. Today, maybe this is a small town. The people were friendly. Maybe they did that sort of stuff. But again, it's just uh, a different time. Uh, we're a little more focused on safety of our children. And again, you made the point, Billy, and I think it's a great point. We don't know who, uh, you know, lives and, uh, you know, walks through the neighborhoods where we where we all reside. So, again, uh, they do have these sex offender registries where you can log in and see if there are people living in your area that are on those registries. Those are good tools to, uh, you know, to enlist uh, when you maybe move to a new area or if you're in your own area that you've been through and you have children you want to check. Those are good things to do. But it sounds like this kid wandered off and maybe somehow or another was abducted and, and they're looking for remains. now. I, I think it's no secret. Kid is missing for a very long time since July 27th of 2021 that apparently uh, the child may be dead. It's a horrible, horrible situation. I hope and pray that the kid is not, that the kid is not found in this backyard, that the kid is somewhere alive. But uh, from the way the posture of the police and the way the investigation is going, it does look like they're looking for remains. They they went to the mom's house and they tried to prepare her, I guess. And they said, listen, we don't want you to come over to the location where we're doing, the, uh, where they got the search warrant to dig into the backyard of this home. Um it's very emotional. I want to. Sure. Well, I, I want to go to this video. Again, they want to, uh... I want to go to this video. They just recently made an arrest, and this is probably sure. the derivation of the probable cause of the search warrant. Did on or about the twelfth day of November of this year, here in the state of Idaho, fail to notify the coroner of a death, uh, the death of Michael Vaughn, uh, with the intent to prevent the discovery uh, of the manner of death. We continue to follow developing news out of Payette County. Police made an arrest in connection to the disappearance of Michael Vaughn. The little boy went missing from his Fruitland home in July of 2021 when he was five years old. Police arrested 35-year-old Sarah Wandra for failure to report a death. Crews have been excavating the backyard of a home in, Fruitland, in a Fruitland neighborhood since Saturday. We now know that home is where Wandra has been living. We have team coverage from Payette County. News Channel 7's Abby Davis is outside the home in Fruitland where crews continue to dig in the backyard. But first, let's go to Alexandra Duggan outside the Payette County Courthouse in Payette where Sarah Wandra was arraigned this afternoon. Alex. Doug, today in court at 1.30, the state of Idaho alleges that Sarah Wandra on November 12th failed to notify police of a death 
and they said that it's he she covered up the way in which Michael Vaughn died. Now we don't know if he has actually died. There's no confirmation from police just yet. Just know that investigators are still currently looking for his remains. That's what we've gathered from Fruitland Police. And the judge also sealed the probable cause affidavit today in court, um, talking about why they arrested Wandra, um, because they don't want to jeopardize a high case like this. And Folks, some of you guys are asking, how could they have made this arrest and made this warrant when they haven't found the body? Easy. She admitted to it. <laughs> that's how. That, you know, and I, I don't know that for a fact, but that's what I'm surmising. She admitted to it. Therefore, they established probable cause. They drew up the warrant and they're searching for the remains. Huff said that he doesn't want to comment on that just yet. Um, he wants to bring closure to the family in the right way, is what he told us just 20 minutes ago. He said... Um, there are serious, the state said there are serious implications of Wandra being out and about and knowing about Michael's whereabouts for this entire year and a half that he has been missing. And in court, Wandra says she understands the charges that are being brought against her, but you know, that quote, it is not correct. And Huff told us 20 minutes ago, like I said, they will not say if they have found Michael or not. And, um, that they don't want to jeopardize the case, but it's their goal to recover him if needed. Back to you, Doug. Alex, thank you there, live from outside the Payette County Courthouse. Now, let's continue our team coverage and head out to News Channel 7's Abby Davis. She is outside the home where crews have been excavating the backyard since Saturday. And Abby, it sounds like crews have just wrapped up for the day. They have, Doug. That is right. They will actually be back in the morning. But as of now, you can see behind me, our photographer, Logan, will show you now. You can see that one heavy piece of equipment there. The rest of it has left. The other backhoe has left. The dump truck has gone. Um, but they did resume this morning. They started early this morning excavating the entire backyard. This is a home that is just about four minutes away from the Vaughn family home we can see everything is shut down. We have that police tape back there. There are some law enforcement officials still kind of gathered around talking. But we do have some video of what the scene looked like earlier while they were actively digging um, and searching. They There was a dog on scene I also saw. Um, and then I was told yesterday that once again, they were excavating the entire backyard. That was their plan and that they were going to dig three to four feet. Now they obtained a search warrant and started working Friday night. They are taking all of this dirt off site where it will be processed. That is what Chief J.D. Huff told us yesterday. Now, this all came after a very credible tip. That is what Huff said. It was a very credible tip that came from someone inside of the house. And he said that they have received over 1,500 tips so far. But this one was the one that led him led them to this house very close to the Vaughn family home. Now, Huff said, once again, the investigation has moving parts like Alex already mentioned, but that their goal is to recover Michael and have a successful prosecution, but that once again, they'll leave no stone unturned. He said that they just have to do right by Michael's family and by the entire community that has been so closely watching this whole entire um, situation. And Abby, have you gotten any indication if they will be back again tomorrow to continue the excavation? Yes, early tomorrow, Huff said they'll be back around 9.30 a.m. And he did say that they will be bringing in some different equipment. As for what that means, though, he didn't, he didn't specify. Okay, Abby Davis now live in the neighborhood where police have been excavating a backyard, all in connection with the disappearance of young Michael Vaughn.
So, uh, Phil, we all know uh, what it's like to search through debris for bodies. Um, mm. Both of us uh, are 9-11 first responders. And uh, we have to also note that potentially this body has been there for 15 to 16 months. So recognizing human remains after that amount of time is no small thing. And anyone that uh, has dealt with um, the remains of human beings that have been recovered months or, or a year, they, they, we understand it doesn't look like a human being. Yeah, absolutely, Billy. Uh, I'm sure that they're doing a painstaking search. If there is remains in that backyard, they want to recover every bit and every piece that could lead to uh, a cause of death. Uh, again, uh, you know, this is uh, something that's happening right in the neighborhood. Uh, from what I saw in uh, some of the research I did, this is a four-minute walk from where the victim lived, so it's very close by. Uh, it was described as just a few houses away, so maybe it's a block or two away. But when you look at that uh, area where they're digging, looks like a quaint little neighborhood. Again, it might not seem so unusual for a child to be playing on the block and go next door to look for a friend. Uh, the mom described in one of the interviews that he was out looking for uh, some older kids that he used to play with. So again, uh, very, very unfortunate. Uh, there possibly was a predator in that area. Uh, again, the charges leveled against this woman, uh, Sarah Wondera, probably sounds like uh, maybe she made some statements in indicating what happened. Uh, they're charging her with not reporting uh, the death uh, of uh, Michael Vaughn. And again, I think that's probably just something to hold her, to get her into the criminal justice system, to put her in place where there could be bail. Uh, maybe she's not going to be able to make the bail, hold her in place. Uh, the owner of the home or the other person that lives at the home, Stacy Wondera, they're saying that he was in jail since May 22nd of this year, being held on federal charges. Again, uh, we don't know what those charges are. This case is all just breaking today. A lot of different things happening. Uh, I saw some people in the chat saying that there possibly was some remains recovered. We can't report that yet because it's not out there 100%. But we do know that the dig is going on. They're saying it's a credible tip. They're saying it's credible information. I doubt very highly that on a whim, they decided to bring a back home into someone's yard, get a search warrant. So it sounds like to me that there's very credible information leading them to get the, uh, the warrant to bring the excavating and the digging equipment in and uh, look for the uh, remains of this young boy. I want to share this. This is of the mom. And the mom had a lot of problems with YouTube content creators interviewing. I look we go. like shit. No, sorry. You look like beautifulness. <laughs> to be honest. Um. You know, we talk about lurkers, right? Lurkers in the back and everything like that. Imagine them outside of your house every minute, minute and a half. Wow. Um, I need a favor. Yes. Some of these uh, YouTubers that are contacting... Potential suspects. Stop. Stop. Let. You have no right. This is my son. You have no right. Stop it. You are not law enforcement. 
And what you're doing is you are hindering Michael's case. Stop it, please. Let them do their jobs. They are doing an amazing job and they've continued to do an amazing job. And the things you're doing and pulling right now is unacceptable because you know what you're doing? If, if some of these things that are going on right now are factual, you are hurting anything of justice for my son. Now stop it. Please. You have well, no right. I agree with that, Bill. You know, Phil, I want to play this whole thing before we comment on it. But you know something? I am feel so strongly about this. And I've taken tremendous criticism from the YouTube community by saying you need to have ethics. Because a lot of these YouTube content creators have zero ethics. Because they were never in law enforcement. They don't understand. So they just do whatever they can get to get the most clicks. Let me finish playing this. Which you have the right sure. to is keep his face out there and to keep hope and to support law enforcement. No, don't, 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 don't be contacting these people, please. You don't know the damage you can do to a case. Please. Just in this, there's been six cars that have driven by our home. Just in me talking right now. Thank you, everyone, for all of your love and support and kindness. I know you are all waiting, just like we are. Um, I don't know what to do. Horrific. Horrific. You know, yeah. it's just like she's going through a horrendous time with the loss of her son. Her son been missing for almost 16 months. And these YouTube amateurs, amateur investigators going out there trying to interview principals in the case. I've said that, you know, I've said this before in this, during the summer Wells case. There was some clown interviewing principals in the case. And he's a very popular clown on YouTube. And I criticized him and said, he has no ethics. He has, does not belong interviewing principals in a case. And this case too, YouTube content creators back off anyone that law enforcement needs to interview. And law enforcement, I tell you, if I was an active sergeant in Manhattan North Homicide and YouTubers started going to our victims and complainants, they would get a visit from me and they would get handcuffs slapped on them for um, interrupting governmental administration. You know, I would take that very, very seriously. And this poor woman, she's dealing with the loss of her little five-year-old and she's got to deal with these clowns circling her house, looking for information for their YouTube show. You know, 
Billy, it's just uh, very impractical to have anyone, anyone uh, interfering in a criminal investigation, especially with the magnitude of this case. You have a missing five-year-old that is, is sounds like presumed dead. And uh, anyone, it doesn't have to be a YouTuber. YouTubers, everyone should not interfere in that investigation. Now, what we do uh, on this YouTube channel, we try to give information. We do it for entertainment purposes, but we give our professional opinions. We have the experience. Um, other people, uh, you know, that are doing the YouTube thing, I get it. But you have to be able to have ethics. You have to draw the line. You should not get involved in, in trying to interview principals in any case, whether it be a pettit larceny case or a murder case. Do not do that. Stay out of it. It's not your uh, it's not your your place. Uh, you know, report on stuff, make content. That's all well and good. Have your subscribers. It's all well and good. But the minute you cross that line, you're going into a very dangerous uh, territory that could compromise a murder investigation. And that's the last thing we would want, especially in a case like this with a five-year-old little boy. Absolutely. Spice ends. Mama Bear couldn't be more right. Thank you so much for the $10 super chat. Thank Very you. much appreciated. Folks, it's, you know, we're passionate about this because we used to be homicide investigators. Schmitty, Witty Schmitty, you both have great intuition with a touch of ESP. You make my job of asking questions easy. I'm in the midst of typing in question is answered. Well, thank you, Schmitty. Very good, Schmitty. I, uh, that's why I got the title Supreme Commander. You know? That's it. That's it. <laughs> Bill, I just want to make a comment about this investigation from the start because it's an old investigation. Now, I'm just trying to put myself in the place of being called to, you know, 911 call or whatever it is the kid's missing. Obviously, uniformed personnel are going to start the search. But me, search, but me as an investigator, and I think the search was probably, you know, extensive right in the area where the kid walked away from the house. But me as an investigator, I want to lock in on the parents or whoever's reporting it to eliminate them as possibly being in, involved or not being involved. So if I can eliminate the mother, which it sounds like she was eliminated early on, and now we can focus on other areas of investigation, you know, trying to find neighbors, uh, trying to find someone on, on a, a sex offender registry, trying to find out if there's other cases like this, parallel cases that might have been in the area where a child was abducted or such like that. So that's the way I'm thinking on this. And again, if someone goes and interviews a person that could be involved in this thing, that's a line that should not be crossed. You know, like I think Duty Ron said, I was listening to his show. He said that, you know, you got to send a message out and not listen to shows that do that. And I will tell you, we will never, ever, on Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, we will never, ever interview a, uh, a principal in a case while the investigation is active. We will never, ever do that. You know, there was respect in an in investigation. For example, when a case, when a case detective had a case, it was understood in the detective bureau that he had to be respected and other detectives couldn't go out and interview his witnesses or his complainant or his potential perpetrators. That was his case. That was his job. Duck and Felon, Felon Les, new member, new member. Thank you for joining Police Off the Cuff, mm -hmm. Real Crime Stories. Guys, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like crime podcasts from a police perspective, this is the place to be, you know. Uh, I'm a retired NYPD homicide sergeant with almost 27 years on the job. Phil Romaldi had a 22 years on the job, a detective from Brooklyn, worked in the detective squad and in the intelligence division, investigated tons of, of homicides. Julie LaRosa from California. Thank you. Seems like we're getting some new members on here. Uh, 
welcome, welcome aboard. Uh, we we'll always welcome uh, folks to our YouTube channel. We have a Patreon with three different levels, and we have a YouTube channel membership with count them five different levels. And if you're not subscribed to us, it's very simple. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, and give us a thumbs up. Join the family. Uh, we, you know, I jokingly say most of our uh, our audience are women between the ages of 45 and 65. <laughs> I don't know. I I guess maybe they look just at like somebody, somebody else, we're compadres. We're you know we're, <laughs> so. Welcome aboard, and thank you so much. This is, again, a heart, heartbreaking case. You know, if you haven't seen Jennifer Koffendorfer, she's a um, FBI agent. She's a, uh, what I call a talking head. She's on a lot of the channels, and she makes a lot of sense. I'm going to play a little bit of her on News Nation. Gosh, just a devastating story. I, I spoke with the parents earlier this year. And joining me now to talk more is former FBI agent Jennifer Koffendorfer. Uh, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Always good to be here, Marky. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer, as you know, there's now a yard four minutes away from Michael Vaughn's house that's being excavated. You and I have talked about this case at length over the last year, always hoping there would be some sort of update that would bring peace to the family in one way or another. In your mind and what you've heard, is this the crack in the case that we've all been hoping for? Yes, it would seem so. I mean, they have enough probable cause to establish and be signed off on by a judge to obtain a search warrant and to go into this property. Now, they just didn't go into the property. They brought in backhoes. They brought in canine dogs. They have brought in an army of law enforcement to excavate, excavate this property. And it is believed that the remains of Michael Vaughn are there, according to Chief Huff. And talk to me a little bit more about that yard excavation. You know, for that to take place, there had to have been extremely credible evidence, right? I mean, what has to take place? What has to be in law enforcement's hands uh, evidence-wise for them to be able to go into a yard and start digging? Well, it, it can't just be hearsay or something somebody told you. It starts with that, but then you have to actually corroborate that information with independent evidence. And that's what builds the probable cause. And in this case, they had that in their hands, went to a judge, and that's why they're excavating. So while it's a great break, seemingly, it's also very sad. And remember, this has been going on now for uh, two days, and yet nothing has been recovered except for a large truck of dirt, which has now been removed. And Jennifer, if Michael's body is found in this yard, and as you mentioned, it does sound like police have good reason to believe that it could be, and it is just four minutes away from his home, were search efforts not strong enough in the immediate aftermath of his disappearance? Well, I think they were strong enough. I think what happened, as you and I talked about, and as the public probably knows, with these little children, five years old, there's only a couple of possibilities. They walked away, and that area was searched to the degree that we knew that that didn't happen. Or somehow that child is hurt in the home, and there was no evidence of that. The only other choice is that they were abducted. And it seems here in this situation, he walked door to door and he walked to a door where he was abducted. Thank you for watching. Go to News Nation. You know, Phil, as we spoke about before, imagine that 
a child of yours walked into a house of your neighbor and it turns out to be the devil, you know, and it's like, who knows that people like that live among you or around you? Uh, Julie LaRosa, Sergeant Bill, I love you, but it's Julie from Toronto, Canada, not California. Julie, sorry I made the mistake. Welcome. Uh, thank you so much for joining our YouTube channel family. Um, I mean, I'm just, look, we've had, I wanted to later on connect it to two horrific and infamous missing person cases in New York, but I want to stay on this a little bit more before we do that. Um, initially, from an investigative standpoint, you're always going to look at the parents first. When this case first occurred, of course, you're thinking, oh, the parents the parents did something. The parents did it. And we always look at the folks closest because usually it is someone involved that's a family member. You know, statistically in homicides, you know, 70 to 80% of the time, the victim and the perpetrator are known to each other. Do you think you should play those percentages when you're doing your investigation? Absolutely. 100%, Billy. I'm uh, glad you brought that point up because I just heard that statistic yesterday watching the news that uh, 70 to 80% of all homicide victims are known uh, to the perpetrator. So, I mean, it would be obvious, you know, responding to something like this, you're going to want to talk to the family and get the story and just, you know, check on it. Uh, make sure that everything fits. Uh, you know, if he walked away, it sounds like when he went to the neighbors' homes, they must have went and interviewed those neighbors, and they said yes, he was over here around that time. And then he went to the next house, and then apparently he may have wandered past those uh, those close by homes. So uh, I think that that would back up and corroborate the story of the reporter of the mother, I guess, or the father, whoever it was that was reporting, because um, the, uh, the the initial reports were that the mother was out, the father was home tending to another baby. When he went out the door, it's July, it's the summertime, it's warm. Uh, you know, it's probably uh, normal for the kid to do that. Uh, they corroborated that. So I think that the parents may have been eliminated as being involved probably early on. A lot of investigation went into this case. 1,500 tips were followed. Um, they developed information with this woman who was charged, uh, apparently enough so that they were able to get that warrant uh, to start digging at that location. Um, you know, let's hope that uh, all the information is good. Uh, if the if the child is is already gone and deceased, uh, we're going to hope for remains to be recovered and for justice to prevail. Again, uh, you, you lose a child, there's never closure. I always say that. Uh, I just feel like that maybe it'll give some comfort to the family if the child's remains are found and there is a cause of death and a person can be held accountable for it. It sounds like this woman is already being charged with not reporting a death. Uh, if you read between the lines on that, she had very firsthand close information regarding the death. So, And it says that she covered up the manner of death. Uh, you got to read between the lines a little bit on that. We don't have access to the K folder, obviously. Uh, a lot of things aren't being reported publicly, but it's not that hard to make the leap that she has firsthand knowledge of this, uh, of this situation. Janice Peace, the charges are worded oddly, in my opinion. Do you think it is possible a child was in the road and accidentally got hit and they panicked? Maybe didn't leave any blood or anything. No, I don't think so. I think that this is foul play 100%. I think the child walked into the wrong house. You know, folks, I I try to 
teach a little bit every time I do this show. And when I talk about, when we talk about probable cause, the level of suspicion necessary to obtain a search warrant is the same level that is needed for an arrest. It's probable cause. You need probable cause. However, the probable cause is worded differently. It's facts and circumstances that would lead a reasonable person to believe that criminal activity or, or certain things are at this location and those facts and circumstances are evident. And that's, it would be worded a little bit different in a search warrant, but the level, so it's probable cause and a judge has to sign off on it. So a judge isn't going to just sign off on any search warrant without vetting the information and who gave the information. Was it this woman who was arrested or was it someone else? And then she started talking and they extended the search to the whole yard. Someone else, Phil, I understand a male that lived in that house has been arrested since May and he's in federal custody. Yes. Yeah. Stacy Wondera, same last name as uh, Sarah that was arrested. Um, I just want to make a quick point, Bill. I think it's very highly unlikely. I agree with you. Janice's point about, you know, hit by a car and then they panicked. I think it's unlikely because it's the summertime. There's probably a lot of people around like that. However, the possibility could exist that some type of an accident took place. I think it's a very small possibility and they panicked and did something. I don't think that, you know, the kid ran into the street, you know, there, there would have been screeching and screaming and all of that. I think people would have saw that, but again, it does sound like foul play, Billy. I agree with you hundred percent is the possibility that the kid went into someone's swimming pool and drowned or something like that. Hey, listen, anything's possible at this point. Of course, we don't know what we don't know, but it does sound like there was foul play here and it was covered up. And specifically when they say that uh, one line, they say she covered up the manner of death that was reported by that, uh, by that news news nation i believe it was and again uh that sounds a little bit more nefarious to me than an accident well yeah the manner of death is is, is going to be a homicide <laughs> you know so she covered that up that's pretty damn serious wouldn't you think absolutely absolutely so it's like uh the fact that she's arrested you know she she knows something obviously and uh she may be a turn out to be a witness in this case and arresting her is going to uh, give law enforcement an ace in the hole when they do bring this for a prosecution. Vaughn, we brought you his story for the first time last year, but tonight the first national TV interview with both of Michael's parents and newly released photos of a man police say was nearby at the time of Michael's disappearance. Correspondent Marky Martin is joining us live. And Marky, you've been with this case for some time now. You traveled to Idaho last winter to speak with his mother, but now you've had the chance to speak to both of his parents. What can you tell us? Yeah, Natasha, so we heard from Michael's dad, Tyler, for the very first time this week. He was the parent who was actually at home at the time that Michael went missing. And today marks one year since that little boy, who is lovingly known as Monkey, walked out the door and never came home. We haven't stopped. Every day we have unfinished business. And I'll tell you that every day is an anniversary of the disappearance from Michael Vaughn. It's been 365 days, a year of searching with no answers. For the five-year-old Fruitland boy, whose 2021 disappearance garnered nationwide attention and support. Ah. All right. 
how you doing, babe? Last July, Michael Vaughn was at home with his dad and baby sister while mom was at work. Family says he walked out searching for neighborhood kids to play with. He went to a neighbor's house. He went to another neighbor's house and another neighbor's house. Last winter, Michael's mom, Brandy, invited our News Nation team to their Idaho home, walking us through her son's last moments there. He would have come out of the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, the front door is pretty hard to get out of, and you can hear yeah. that opening. Yeah. At the time, his dad, Tyler, declined to speak with us. But this week, that changed. The couple sitting together for their first national TV interview. It doesn't feel like a year. It's been an eternity. Tyler, a lot of people curious why, if you were the one at home, why you haven't done a lot of talking with the media. What's your response to people who want to know that question? Because I was the one at home. I feel like because I was the responsible party. I I don't like being in the public eye at all. And it's because I you know, to some extent, blame myself. For most of the afternoon, Tyler says Michael played with his monster trucks and Nintendo Switch, and that around dinner time, he ordered a pizza and went down the hall to change the baby's diaper when he came back. You know, folks, it's so easy for all us to judge um, Tyler here, but anyone that's ever has kids knows how quick a kid can bolt and get away from you, you know? And if you don't have your each second watching that kid 100%, I could see how a kid could go missing. I really could. Phil, what do you think about that? Phil, you home? Absolutely, Billy. I mean, you know, he, he's he's taking care of, a, I was like, a t- maybe. I'm sorry? No, you're, are you not can hearing you hear me? me, Bill? Yeah, I can hear you now, yeah. You're cutting in and out, I think. I I, I hear you. Yes. Okay. No, I'm just asking you, do okay. you think? I, I think uh, the, you got me. Yeah. Okay. Well, what I was saying was he's at home. He's tending to either. An, you, Phil, you, I'm going to pull you out and then you bring you back in. You're cutting in and out. Back out. Michael wasn't there. Search the house. Oh, yeah. Backyard, went out in the front yard, jumped in the van, called Brandy. He says he raced around the neighborhood and was the one who called 911. The Fruitland Police, Payette Police, and Payette County deputies and citizens searched through the night until support arrived the following morning. In the last year, more than 3,000 acres and nearby river have been searched. No suspects have been named, but authorities say they have persons of interest. Fruitland police asking for the public's help in identifying this man, seen in newly released photos, walking in a nearby park at the time of Michael's disappearance. And to this day, nobody has been cleared, including Tyler and Brandy. What do you tell people who say, do they know more than they're letting on? A lot of the speculation online is is based in fantasy land. Law enforcement and God knows our truth and we'll stand firm and stand strong. Fruitland police confirming with News Nation the couple has cooperated with the investigation. Today, 
Michael would be six, his parents grieving another summer without him, a summer they say should be spent playing <laughs> and camping as a family. Right. Time for bed now. But, but I still want to look at some stars. He is pure um, joy, love, excitement, <laughs> much excitement, energy, lots of energy. <laughs> you, you can't. You can't not fall in love with him. Both Tyler and Brandy tell me they do believe that their son is out there alive. They still believe he's coming home. And Natasha, I asked both of them, what would justice look like in your eyes? Brandy's answer was if her son comes back alive and well, she could find it in her heart to forgive. Tyler said he just wants his child home. Legal punishment would take care of the rest. And I do also have to mention to this day, Fruitland Police, uh, they have declined to go on camera for an interview with our crew since day one. Natasha. Marky, I can't imagine what these last several months have been like for this family. Um, can I ask, do Michael's parents fear the case going cold at this point? Uh, what is being done to keep his name and face on people's radars? Yeah, it's a great question. And actually, they do not fear this case growing cold. They say there's new tips coming in all the time. They're actually excited about some new technology uh, that's going to aid in some of the searches. And one of the biggest criticisms of this case has been Michael Vaughn never received an Amber Alert. His case did not fall under the criteria for the state of Idaho. It's outraged a lot of people. A lot of people think things could uh, be different if that happened. But also last week, Fruitland Police announcing they've teamed up, um, teamed up with the Homeward Bound program, which advocates for missing children. Starting in August, Natasha, there will be semi-trailers uh, crisscrossing across the country with his name and face on them. Okay, well, that's good to hear. Um, meanwhile, speaking of new tips, what else have police said about that newly released photo of that man walking by the home around the time Michael went missing? Do we know anything about him? Yes, yeah, so we actually don't know a lot in that pre, uh, uh, police press conference that was held last week. Uh, they said they'd be releasing those photos. They did a couple days later, and the police chief just saying, we know these are grainy. This is not a suspect or even a person of interest, but this person was walking near the splash pad area of a nearby park leading up to when uh, Michael disappeared. So they said they just want to find this person, have him come forward to talk to him, see if he saw anything. Maybe he saw something he didn't even realize he was witnessing at the time. They just want this person to come forward. Natasha. All right, Marky Martin, we certainly appreciate it. And I know that family appreciates you keeping their boy top of mind as well. Thank you. And if you have any information, of course, on the disappearance of Michael Vaughn, Well, folks, that was back you know, uh, when this f first occurred, but it's good to see what was occurring there. And you, you, one of the things we realized, and we followed, uh, of course, uh, the Delphi case and Summer Wells and Gabby Petito, law enforcement doesn't give up. They keep putting their all into a case. There's different levels of talent, I believe, uh, that law enforcement exhibits. We, we've seen that all over the country. Some police departments are much more talented, have much better investigators uh, than others. But we don't find law enforcement quitting in these investigations. We find that they stay, they stay with it at all times. And, you know, when you see this little boy, you know, this little Michael Vaughn 
five years old. It's heartbreaking. I can't imagine his father, Tyler, um, ever recovering from this, you know. Uh, yeah, he was in charge of the little boy when he disappeared. Um, I'm very sympathetic to him. I know I see some folks in the chat. Uh, maybe they're not um, they're not unsympathetic, but they're they're sympathetic to him. And uh, I think it's 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 horrific. It's horrific, you know. That uh, Phil, you're back. You you're not hearing me again. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Did did you lose? I did lose you. You were losing. Are you hearing audio. me or no? In and out. And okay. you're coming in and out. So um All right. There must be something wrong with my connection. The um, you know, we see this little boy, we we know the details of this case. And uh we've had some cases in New York that just became uh national and international news. And one of them, uh many, many years ago was a boy named Eton Pates. And Eton Pates was basically kidnapped off the street on the Lower East Side. And he became the poster child for missing children. And there is the uh, picture of little Eton. It happened in 1979. And just a few years ago, an arrest was made in the 1979 murder of Eton Pates. And as I said, he, Eton became the face of missing children all over the world. And his parents, uh, you know, they, they suffered through, through this. There, there we go. That's his mom. Uh, just kidnapped off the street. And it, it, it let people know that, um, you can't really let kids do things by themselves. I, I saw a lot of people in the chat talking about uh, how a kid has to constantly be supervised. And unfortunately, in this world today, you're absolutely right. Here's the individual that was arrested. I, it was like 30-something years later for the murder of Vitan Pates. And he confessed to it. And after he confessed to it, he tried to take back his uh, his confession, and uh, he got convicted, and he's serving life in prison. But that doesn't help Eton Pates' parents recover this little boy. And uh, one of the first, because there's um, Michael Vaughn. Another case that was huge was a case called Baby Hope, and Baby Hope was a girl that was found on the Henry Hudson Parkway in the park up near Inwood, Inwood Park, actually, in a in a cooler, like a, a, uh, a cooler that you'd put drinks in and food and stuff. And they recovered her body, and for 20-something years, it remained unsolved, and baby Hope was not known. She It was a missing... DOA, dead on arrival, that stands for, that's how uh, a deceased person is referred to in New York City, uh, was was a missing person, was not um, named. But the detectives stayed with the case, and they made an arrest just a couple of years ago using uh, familial DNA. 
And the person who murdered her turned out to be her uncle. And they were able to use genealogical DNA and made an arrest, and her uncle was arrested. And her name is now on her headstone. And that gives closure, not just to the family, but to the detectives in the 3-4 precinct that worked on this case and brought this case back, and detectives in the cold case squad that brought this case back. Does it help for the families to get closure like this? I, I think it does. What do you think, Phil? Uh, can you hear me? You got me again? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, um, obviously that, that case where the familiar DNA led to the arrest of the perpetrator. It was, a, again, we talked about it earlier, 70 to 80% of the time, uh, perpetrators known to the victim in homicide cases. So, again, in that case, that proves that. Um, you know, let's uh, let's see where this case uh, takes us. Uh, it doesn't seem like this uh, perpetrator, perpetrators uh, are known to the family. Uh, apparently, uh, the woman, the mom, Michael Vaughn's mom said that she didn't know who these people were. So uh, that's the people that live in the house. They may or not be uh, the actual perpetrators, but uh, we have to see where this case goes. And, uh, you know, uh, thank God for the healthy hands of law enforcement that are on top of these things and uh, investigate and, and bring justice for these victims. You know, Phil, these guys, uh, they did a hell of a job. They stayed on this case doggedly working it. And no one, unless you're in law enforcement, understands the pressure uh, that comes with this, the hours that you work, how you bring cases like this home with you, how you use every single lead, every single bit of investigative and police talent to bring these cases to uh, to closure. And I liked when, uh, or I didn't really like it, when that reporter said to Jennifer Koffendoffer, you think if a, a, a more robust search would have occurred in the beginning, would they have found him? I mean, wh where did she get that question from? Is that journalism school 101? You know, you're trying to ask a question to, to put down the police? And to Jennifer Kavadoff's credit, she didn't go for it. She said, no, I didn't think that. I don't remember her exact answer. But, you know, I, I thought that was a little bit uh, of a, you know, a left-handed swipe at the police. It was definitely a swipe at the police, Billy. I agree with you. And again, um, you know, when you go on these type of searches, you're knocking on doors, you're asking if anybody saw anything. You have to have a little bit more than a hunch to start, uh, you know, uh, digging up somebody's backyard. You have to have credible information. So again, I'm sure that the proper searches were done when this thing was reported. They probably searched in a closed in area uh, close to the home since, uh, you know, it was probably reported relatively quickly. And again, uh, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, which uh, happens all the time. Uh, it's easy to say things like that now, but uh, the, you know, the, the long painstaking work of the investigators appears to be paying off at this point. So let's just hope and pray that there is going to be uh, remains recovered and, and justice uh, served on this case. Absolutely. Uh, Phil, one. Joe Murray, attorney at law, have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray, 
is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of the fence. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you could email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Joe's a great friend of police off-the-cuff real crime stories, and he's also a terrific criminal defense attorney. You know, folks, these cases, uh, you know, I, I jokingly say, I well, I don't jokingly say, I think the NYPD has some of the best investigators in the world. And this was uh, this was the A-team back in the day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the A-team from Manhattan North Homicide Squad. Actually, some of the detectives on the left are actually from the 3-4 squad. And uh, uh, two to the to the my right in looking at the picture are from Manhattan North Homicide and one from the 2-3. But uh, great team. That was uh, New Year's Eve 2008. And uh, we had the investigative detail. And it was one of the coldest nights. It was about 20 degrees that night. We, we couldn't wait to get off the street. And then we never got to go home that night because there were shots fired at a radio car up in the 3-2. And they took us off the detail when it ended and sent us up to the 3-2. So... Uh, incredible yeah you know this case i think is going to um there's going to be closure to it but it's not going to be a happy closure uh the poor mom and dad you know right there in that picture they call little uh little michael monkey that's his little nickname you know um horrific you know and i i do feel bad for the father and i think a lot of folks are exercising their opinion and saying that though he didn't properly watch the kid, you know, parents are taxed these days and uh, we have to understand that. And I look, I, I do understand it and not that I'm trying to excuse him, but uh, he's going to be punished for the rest of his life, you know, in, He's uh, going to be tormented for the rest of his life by uh, th just thinking about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's easy to say that now. It, it was probably not done intentionally. Obviously, it was just an oversight. The kid may have gone out and played with the the people next door or two doors down or whatever it was periodically, and and they really thought nothing of it. They, you know, they uh, had a false sense of security, I guess, not knowing who was in that area maybe driving by in one of the news accounts, they showed uh, a vehicle that they were trying to identify. It may or not have been uh, identified in person interviewed, uh, could be involved in it. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know if that vehicle is related to uh, the location where the search is taking place in the backyard. So again, uh, so many things, so many tips, 1500. Originally they were talking about 500 tips today. I heard it reported 1500 tips. Uh, and you know how tips go bill a lot of times, uh, most of the time there, they lead to dead ends, but uh, apparently there was some good information that was garnered in this case and led to this uh, excavation that's going on in that, in that home. Mama Griffin's true crime. Sergeant Bill Dutyron said the same things. If you don't have experience and you've not been hired as a private investigator, then stay out of this. Quit making it worse for this mother. Well, look, Absolutely. no one, unless they're law enforcement, has any right to interview principles in a case and you know even when we would get the press doing that we would we would get extremely pissed off and if the press stepped over a line we would call our 
internal uh, people that dealt with the press, Deputy Commissioner of Public Information Office, and say, look, shut this guy down. He's stepping over the line. He's interviewing people that are subjects in our case. He's interviewing principal witnesses. Pull him back. Rein him in. I'm going to slap cuffs on him. And the, the last thing anyone wants in New York City is someone from the press to get arrested. Believe me, it's like the press is treated with pretty much hands off in New York City. Absolutely, Billy. We had a pretty good rela working relationship, as you said, with uh, the Deputy Commissioner of Public Information. Those are the liaison between the police department and the news media. And if we had a situation where a, a reporter or a news team was poking around where they mm -hmm. shouldn't have, we would get on the horn or we would even tell them ourselves, listen, guys, uh, you know, you're going to have to back up on this one. Uh, don't do anything until we finish our investigation. And we had pretty good working relationship. We got cooperation most of the time. Private investigators, same team, private investigators. A lot of time were retired members of the NYPD or other police forces local to the New York area. And we would get them coming in and we would try to help them best we could. But then we would have to sometimes say, listen, guy, you got to back off on this because it's an active investigation. So again, we always worked hand in hand. I never had a situation in all my years in law enforcement where uh, it got to a pit and match where, you know, we, we were going to become, uh, you know, uh, have to make an arrest or something like that. We always were able to get cooperation from news media, uh, private investigators, et cetera. Phil, I yelled at the press all the time. So I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I screamed at a bunch, you know, when they tried to walk into a crime scene, they, they overstepped their bounds. Uh, Phil Leo, good to have Phil G back. I figured he was busy breading chicken cutlets and salting <laughs> eggplant slices for the Parmesan. Phil Leo, you obviously know Phil Grimaldi. That's probably yeah, where he yeah. was. You yeah. know, we, we just had different schedules over the last couple of weeks. Bill went out to Florida. I had some things going on and uh, there really was no major cases going on. So that's why I haven't really been on. But Bill and I are still, uh, you know, chomping at the bit to, uh, you know, to get on them, uh, them big cases and, and make some great content for you guys. We're not going anywhere. Uh, Nicole, why? Kids move fast. I've got four and I'm so glad they're getting older now. My youngest is six and I don't let him be outside alone or on a porch because we live where a lot of strangers come and go. You know something? The biggest job of a parent, besides teaching, is to protect your kids. It's to protect them from the dangerous elements that are out there. And like I used to say, my biggest job as a sergeant on the police department was to protect cops from themselves. <laughs> and that is the damn truth. I found that out when I became a boss, was like, my biggest job is to protect cops from doing stupid stuff, you know, and and when they do do stupid stuff to try to protect them so they don't get in trouble. And that's I'm going to steal a line from Hill Street Blues. If you remember Hill Street Blues, that's an old show. But if you guys remember it, uh, the sergeant, when he would do the turn out of the troops at the end, he would always say and stay safe out there because it's his responsibility to make sure that, you know, his troops get home safe. So and unfortunately, and Bill, you've been through it. I've been through it. There are times when we uh, we turn out and somebody could get hurt and I've lost brother offices. And uh, it's really a terrible terrible thing and again for a boss that's uh supervising i'm sure there's a lot of uh you know a lot of uh responsibility to keep your troops safe and somebody does get hurt you feel bad about it i'm sure lieutenant pete pranzo when i say something that's correct and he stamps it with his his a stamp of approval by saying perfect bill well thank you lieutenant pete and you'd know that to the next level up being a lieutenant that 
your job is to protect the cops and the detectives Respect. and the sergeants. Yeah, yeah, and the sergeants from themselves. The sergeants can do dumb things too, you know. I did a couple of yeah. stupid things, you know, and uh, but that's your job to protect them. And you know, uh, well, as pony being a cop is incredibly dangerous. It can be, not, and just not from the bad guys from the job. The, most cops are more afraid of the job than they are of the bad guys. Let me play this. Oh, I forgot. Of course, I forgot to put the the sound on. Uh, let me remove it and try it again. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I think uh, I wanted to show the. Um, I want. I wanted to show the the map of the area that will show. Let me just. Uh, let me just remove this and put it back in. I want to show the map of the area that is the area in question. Um, again. I'm having a hard time getting the, the wonders sound. of live TV, right, Bill? I'll tell you something, you know, believe it or not, folks, I don't, you, I don't know if you always notice this, but I'm doing like, I'm doing a million things at once. You know, it's like chewing gum, walking, juggling all at the same time. And it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. Your of host, stuff. your producer, your yeah, uh, engineer. It's, it's a lot of things to do at once, you know, and, um, not that you know, I'm not looking for um, I'm not looking for kudos in. Wow, Bill, you're amazing! But there's a lot of things to uh, to do at once. And uh, uh, let me see if I can get this right this time. I think I got it right this time. Let me put this up there and uh, play a little bit of this, and we'll just see. This will probably close the show out. Oh, beautiful! No sound, right? from his neighborhood in Fruitland in July of 2021. He was just five years old at the time. We have a map to show you of the area. You can see the home police are searching in proximity to where Michael's home is as we zoom in on this map. It's only about four minutes away. News Channel 7 investigative reporter Alexandra Duggan has been following the developments through the weekend. She joins us now with the latest. Alex. Doug, the newest information I just received from Fruitland Police Chief J.D. Huff is that the house that they're excavating behind me was currently occupied at the time of Michael's disappearance. Huff said the people who live there do not own the home and there is no connection to the Vaughn family as he is aware right now. And we're still waiting from confirmation by law enforcement with more information about the people who live in the home. And we've been out here for three days now, morning and night, as crews continue to excavate the backyard looking for Michael Monkey Vaughn's remains. He disappeared back in July in the summer of 2021. And, you know, Huff said that this case is extremely hard for investigators. They're very emotionally attached to this case. And they're out there digging up the yard with backhoes. They've cut down a tree. They've cut down a fence. They're back there digging up this backyard right now. They've excavated a lot of dirt. The dirt is going off site to another area so that they can sift through the dirt and then analyze it. And, um, you know, the backhoe does not contaminate any evidence that may be there, Huff told me, um, but that it's currently just taking layers and layers away so they can get in there um, with shovels and brushes in case there is evidence within that backyard. And it is unknown how long they will be out here today, but we will continue to keep you updated with the latest. Back to you, Doug. So, folks, uh, you know, that's basically the story where we're at right now. They'll still be searching 
uh, as I said, when when I see those um, cadaver dogs, it brings me back to those uh, the bad days of 9/11, and that uh, we all searched through the through the pile. Well, they, they called it Ground Zero. We used to call it the pile, and then we went to a place called Fresh Kills, that was actually hell. Right? If there was hell on Earth, it was Fresh Kills, and they would take all the debris from the towers and load it on barges and float it down river to Staten Island to fresh kills and offload it to fresh kills where they'd have these gigantic machines that would sift through steel and rocks and then we'll, and we would, uh, and, you know, something, most of the cops and the detectives that went there, I was really proud to work among them. There was a, some slackers too, that I wasn't so proud to be among, but it was, it was so noisy. And you lost your equilibrium because the noise was incredible. The machines and the gigantic earth movers too, they were like, they were loud as hell too with the, you know, when they back up, beep, beep, beep. Like it was enough to drive you crazy, right? But, you know, we got through it, uh, but it wasn't what I would consider a great experience. What do you think, Phil? Well, I never really uh, did the sifting, what you just described, but I was at Ground Zero, and uh, you're talking about the dogs, and uh, I was standing in a location, and the dogs came right where we were. Uh, uh, the guy I was standing with, we stopped to take a break, and right where we were standing, the dogs started sniffing, and we moved out of the way, and sure, and, sure enough, uh, they unearthed a fireman's body. It was probably about uh, four or five days in. We were standing right on top of them, buried under the debris. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. They dug him out. They, uh, you know, they got the uh, the stretcher and they took his body and they draped the uh, American flag over it. Everybody within, uh, you know, our area, you know, froze, stopped until they uh, recovered the body. Everybody stood at attention, saluted. It was a, a solemn moment, but. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's terrible, terrible memories of that day. But again, you brought up the dog and it took me right back to that. Yeah, because I saw the uh, cadaver dogs on this case. Yeah. Nicole, why? I don't like the YouTube folks interviewing in this case. Michael's mother shouldn't have to tell people to stop harassing those neighbors. You're right, 100%. And, you know, we discussed it earlier. I don't want to beat it to death, but there are those content creators that don't know their boundaries. They don't have boundaries. They, their boundaries are that they want to get a lot of clicks and a lot of audience members and a lot of, look, we all have a goal of that, but you have to have some integrity behind it. Uh, integrity behind getting audience and getting clicks and all of that stuff. Uh, if you don't have any integrity, I don't think you should be doing this, you know? Uh, Listen, you have to maintain some type of integrity when you do this kind of stuff. And uh, listen, I know everybody wants to be successful. When you and I uh, do this, I, I know you started it. And the idea is to be successful, be interesting and be informative. But we come from a professional background on this stuff. And people that don't, that's all well and good. But, you know, just report what you can uh you know, be exact about it. report facts. I mean, there's enough information out there that you can do a, a, a content and create content and talk about it and, you know, field questions from the chat and stuff and give, you know, common sense answers. Let's say you don't have to be a professional, so to speak, but again, you should not be poking around 
uh, primary people involved in investigation, trying to interview them, interfering. It really, really can compromise an investigation. The worst thing in the world that uh, any investigator would want uh, while they're investigating a case is to have someone interfere in it. Just not good. Yeah, well, 100%. Uh, folks, you know, if, they, if someone asked in the chat, what if they don't recover the body? Well, if they don't recover it, they don't recover it. They're back to square one, you know. But apparently they have some really good tip that uh, the body was buried there. Um, you go where the evidence takes you, Bill. You yeah. and I have said that a thousand times. You go, if the evidence is not there, well, then it's somewhere. You continue to investigate until you find it. That's all what it comes down to. Nicole, why? I'm not, um, I'm not, you know, this isn't my area of expertise, ground sonar. I would think ground sonar wouldn't be accurate because of the amount of rocks that is in dirt. And that probably wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be fruitful. I, I, think, ground. I think ground sonar, a little bit I know about it is for uh, discovering uh, metal objects and things of that nature. I don't know, or large objects. I think it has to be something large. I don't know if uh, it would be successful, like you said, Bill, because of rocks and different things like that, human remains. I'm not sure about that, but I know that they were talking about Jimmy Hoffa being buried in some place in Newark in a salvage yard, and they used ground sonar, and they said there is some type of an object in the area where they believe it to be. I don't know if anything ever developed with that, but uh, that's a good question to uh, look into. Kim Allison, thank you for your kind remarks. Police off the cuff always uh, have integrity and compassion. Thank you, Sergeant thank Bill you. and Detective Phil for this evening's show. God bless. <laughs> you know, folks, we try to give it to you from how we would look at it if we were investing the, investigating this case. And, you know, many questions are asked and we don't have all the answers. We don't have all, and especially we don't have all the answers because we're, we're not boots on the ground. We're not involved in this investigation. You can just answer questions sometimes by your experience. So oh, this is what probably is going to happen. This is probably what did it. But you don't know 100% for sure. You know, I remember, I remember one of the, my high school basketball coach once said one of the funniest things. And sometimes the funniest thing makes sense. He said, sometimes I'll call a timeout. He goes, I got nothing to say. He goes, I'm not a bullshitter. He says, he goes, but I just want to break the rhythm of the, of the game. And, you know, and I, was, I thought it was funny because I, I, you know, when he said that, I just called it because, you know, I want to break up. I, I'm no bullshitter. Yeah. When you're getting beat up, you want to stop the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. When, you want to stop the, the punishment. Someone's, uh, someone's beating you down. Please call timeout. Please let's stop the bleeding. Stop the bleeding, yeah, you know, yeah. but uh, folks, I just want to thank everyone for coming by tonight. Uh, this is an important case. All of these uh, missing person cases, I mean, you know, they seem to come on top of each other. You know, that Delphi case was is just an incredible case and just horrible, you know, just a horrible, horrible case. And to me, one of the worst cases of last year was um, Eliza Fletcher. Uh, you guys remember the the woman in Memphis that was jogging and kidnapped off the street. I mean, just horrific. And cases like that, you know, and Will Les Pony put uh, something in the chat talking about PTSD. Cases like that bring PTSD back in me, you know, really, when you feel the horrible pain of a horrific case like that, it brings you back to the horrific 
pain in the human condition. And I'm not saying that. I'm trying to be. Bill, cool. I have to agree with you. When, when we did the Gabby Petito case, there were times when my insides were, I felt like my, my guts were just churning because, you know, hoping for her safe return and knowing that all of the things were pointing in the other direction. So again, yeah, it kind of brings the PTS, uh, back, PTSD back to the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Indigo Cupcake. I love that name. It makes me want to have a cupcake right now. <laughs> Police Off the Cuff is the most honest channel I've come across when it comes to these topics. Well, thank you, Indigo Cupcake. I, well, we're at an hour and 11 minutes. I don't know how we went went over, but it, every once in a while we do that. Uh, but, folks, I want to, again, thank everyone for coming by. Phil, uh, you got some final words? Final words. I just want justice for little Michael Vaughn. Uh, I'm hoping that the investigators are on the right track, that there is going to be something recovered. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, there's never going to be closure for that mom and that dad for that family, but there will be some comfort knowing that the person may be uh, in custody with thinking, uh, hopefully. And if the remains are found, they can, uh, you know, they can do the proper burial and uh, get some type of comfort for that, that they know where their child is at this point. So again, keep them in your prayers. God bless them. And uh, God bless little Michael Vaughn. Yeah. You know, a hundred percent. I agree with everything you say, but I, I don't think you'll, as a parent, you'll ever, ever recover from that. You know, no, no. horrible. Good night, everyone. God bless. And thanks for listening. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.